You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. But you have to be in the Word. And I want to emphasize that point. Daily receiving a fresh revelation of Jesus. Who He is. His character. His love. His plan. His grace. His forgiveness. His protection. His provision. It's all there recorded for us for our learning there in the Bible. And what God and Jesus did for other people, He will also do for you and for me. The Bible is vital to faith. It just is. There's no better way to get to know your Creator than through the words He inspired, the words He left for you. Think about the book of 1 Peter. Peter had met Jesus, yes, but how did he know the history of God's love and faithfulness? How did he know that Jesus would come? He studied the Scriptures. Pastor Mike will urge you today to daily find yourself in God's Word and to allow that action to become part of who you are. Let it change you each and every day. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1 with today's edition of In My Father's House. we are to live with the joy of the Lord, and listen, i got to tell you something. There are so many believers who don't even know anything about the joy of the Lord, just resting in the joy of the Lord. They know that they've secured their eternal destiny. So if we are to live with the joy of the Lord in our hearts, even our reason must be surrendered to God. And then and only then will doubt and our problems disappear. So let me ask you this question. Do you have the assurance in your heart that you belong to God? And if not, why not? Listen, take him at his word. Believe and receive his truth. It's all about Jesus. Remember, we are told there in 1 John, as a cross-reference I gave it for you just a while ago, he that has the Son has life. So God promises to keep us, notice, go back to verse 5, unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So this refers to the future tense of our salvation. Now this brings us to our fourth and our final point, and that is the Bible presents salvation in three tenses, past, present, and future. Okay, let me go through those uh, quickly for you. First of all, the past. In other words, we were delivered from the penalty of sin when we received Christ. That's called our justification. 
we were justified before God upon our conversion experience. So that's been our past experience. And then the present experience. We are being delivered daily from the power of sin through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. What's that called? It's called our sanctification, the work of God's Holy Spirit within our lives. And then the final tense of our salvation is future. We shall be delivered. That is from the presence of sin altogether one day. And boy, are we looking forward to that. Can you, this is something we can't even relate to. No longer will we be attempted to sin, right? We'll just be one with God. What a day that's going to be. We look forward to that day. And that's referred to as our glorification. The future tense is ready, but not yet revealed. It'll happen when Christ returns. But until then, as James puts it, writing to us through his epistle, James chapter 5 and verse 8, he says, Be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. What a rich verse of scripture here in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5. Some wonderful lessons for us to learn. We now move into 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. So verses 6 through 9, I'm going to break it up into two parts. Verses 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, it need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revealing or the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, let's back up a little bit. As a reminder, Peter, here in this section of 1 Peter, chapter 1, is writing to the Christian church, who at this time is experiencing great persecution on two different fronts. First of all, from the Roman state, who used Christians as scapegoats for just about everything, including the burning of the city of Rome. And then also you have them being persecuted from their fellow Jews, who thought that to embrace Christ as their Savior was blasphemous. All of which, the result was that they were being killed, that they were being tortured, that their property had been confiscated. And so Peter is writing to remind them to keep their focus on God remaining faithful to Him, placing their trust, their absolute trust in Him. And notice there in verse 7, Peter goes as far as to declare, Rejoice! Rejoice in those trials, Peter? Rejoice in the persecutions? Well, let me clear up any misconception you might have about what Peter is exhorting them to do. He's encouraging them to rejoice, not because of the trials, that would be absolutely ridiculous, the hardships that we go through, but rather because God can sustain us in those trials, through those persecutions. But then also he goes on, notice, and reminds them that there is a purpose in those trials. And what is those methods? What is the purpose? Well, God uses them to purify our faith in Christ. It molds and shapes our character. Go back to verse 7. That the genuineness of our faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, let me give you an example of this from 
uh, the manufacturing of automobiles. And I don't know, I hope that this is a good example and illustration. Before the automobiles, after they come off of the assembly uh, line, they're tested under stressful conditions before they are sold at the dealership, right? And the reason being is that they are tested under those stressful conditions to improve their safety features, their functionality, their maneuverability. But if you think about that, that's also true in our Christian experience. We are also tested by God, oftentimes under stressful uh, conditions. And the testings of God are not designed to destroy us or discourage us, but rather to prove our worth. I mean, think about it. If we've never tried, if we were never tested, we wouldn't know how strong our faith is or whether or not we really need to uh, work on it. So they are given to us in controlled circumstances that our systems of thinking and acting might be linked to our Creator. That is, so that He might refine us, that He might provide for us those different skills. So anyway, tested by fire. And then notice also, Peter goes on to declare, verses 8 and 9, and this is the second part of our message, whom having not seen, referring to Jesus, you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Okay, now think about this. God has given to each one of us certain senses. And psychologists tell us that there are five. What are they? Well, the uh, sense of hearing, sight, smell, taste, and touch. These wonderful capacities that God has given to each and every one of us to help us to enjoy and relate to the world around us. However, I believe that every born-again believer possesses a sixth sense, that is, the God-given sense of faith, which is the faculty to know God. You see, these two verses, verses 8 and 9 here, that's a part of our text, present three aspects of this sixth sense that I am referring to. It is what faith sees, it is what faith produces, it is what faith receives. Now, some think, Here's the difficulty in all of this. Let's go back to our text just for a moment. Notice Peter tells us, whom having not seen, you love. So here's the question. How can you love someone you haven't seen? And I think that's a legitimate question. Well, though Jesus is not seen with the physical eye, the believer sees him through the eyes of faith. And how do we see him? Well, it's through his word, the Bible. In fact, Jesus himself said, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are that which testifies of me. John's Gospel in chapter 5, in verse 39. Paul, in the book of Hebrews, quoting Jesus, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 7, declared, In the volume of the book, it is written of me. That is, it is written of Jesus. In other words, Jesus is the grand theme of the Bible, Old and New Testament alike. And the more time we spend searching the Scriptures, in the Scriptures, studying the Scriptures, greater will be our knowledge of Him 
and our love for him will increase as well. Now, also, someone may be thinking, well, listen, I would rather see him in person, like, for example, the apostles. And yes, that was true. In fact, in John's epistle, in 1 John chapter 1, he puts it like this, reminder that the apostles had been with the Lord for three and a half years during his earthly ministry. But, and John refers to that here in his epistle, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1, that which was from the beginning, a reference to Jesus, the Alpha, the Omega, the Alpha, the beginning, which we have heard, uh, they were there and present when Jesus delivered many of his messages and sermons, addressing the crowds, the Sermon on the Mount, for example, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, concerning the word of uh, life. So, someone may be thinking, I'd rather had been able to see Jesus in person like the apostles. But listen, the truth of the matter is, is that John had no advantage over us. You say, how's that? Well, remember, our experience of seeing Jesus is energized by the Spirit working through the Word of God. Jesus said in John's Gospel in chapter 15 and verse 26, when the Holy Spirit would come, He will testify of me. And so that's how Christ is revealed to us, by the work and the ministry, the operation of the Holy Spirit, working through His Word. So if anything, then, we can have a fuller revelation than those early disciples. And I would even suggest that we have even more information available to us than did those first uh, disciples of our Lord's. But you have to be in the Word. And I want to emphasize that point. Daily receiving a fresh revelation of Jesus, who He is, His character, His love, His plan, his grace, his forgiveness, his protection, his provision. It's all there recorded for us for our learning there in the Bible. And what God and Jesus did for other people, he will also do for you and for me. And so I hope we all have time to see our Lord Jesus in his book. I trust we're not busy, too busy, to invest some time each day to receive that needed strength for our souls. Listen, when this spiritual food, that is the Word of God, is neglected, I want you to think about this, we become easy prey for the devil's subtleties. The tongue will be uncontrolled, the eyes easily distracted by lust, the sins of dishonesty, deceitfulness, will seem but easy steps to read some coveted desire or goal. Gang, read the Word stay in the Word, and fall in love with Jesus. And you better fall in love with Jesus, or the truth be told, you're not going to make it. I mean, you're not going to serve Him out of a sense of duty. You might do it for a while, but you won't continue to walk with the Lord and serve the Lord if it's not out of simply your love for Jesus. It can't be out of a duty or responsibility or mere determination. We have to serve him out of a love for him. We need to experience and develop a love relationship with Jesus. But here's the question. How can we develop our relationship, 
our love if we don't spend that time, that needful time with Him on a regular basis. Let me share an observation with you. I bet you, you can relate to this. Have you ever seen two young people who are in love with one another? They're always in each other's company. They're always falling over uh, one another, right? The question then becomes, what can be said about Christians who profess to love Christ and neglect fellowship with Him in the Word? Gang, if we are to know Him, if we are to love Him, we need to spend that desired time with Him. And so as we daily study God's truths, as we search its sacred passages, it will become more and more precious to us. Let me give you a cross-reference for this. The psalmist declared in the 119th Psalm in verse 103, How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And the more sweeter they will become as you dig in deeper. So, what place does the word, here's the question, have in your home? Is it but an ornament, you know, a large Bible that you put on your mantle over your fireplace? Or is it a well-worn book that's frequently used? The pages are torn and, and the binding is ripped. And, you know, that's an indication that you're in the Word on a regular basis. Now, let me share this story that I heard with you that I think is particularly relevant and makes this point quite well. There was once a little boy who was assisting his mother in spring house cleaning. And so they went through all of the closets and the drawers, and all of which were being put in order. And in cleaning one of those drawers, this little fellow who was helping his mom found a copy of the Bible. And upon asking his mother what it is, that is the Bible, she replied, well, that's God's book. And so the little fellow responded and said, well, we might just as well give it back to him because no one ever uses it. Listen, I hope this is not true of your Bible and the use of it. The 119th Psalm, another cross-reference, in verse 97. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. And so give this blessed book, that is the Bible, the place it should have in your lives. You know, let me give you a couple of helpful hints on the way that you can get started and have that regular reading of the Bible on a daily basis. This is what you need to do. Just something to think about. First of all, choose a book of the Bible. You know, I, I think the best place to start would either be in the Gospel of John or the book of Ephesians. So those would be good books to begin with. So just make that commitment. Choose either one of those books, and that's where you need to start. So choose a book. And then secondly, either just read a text or an entire chapter within one of those two books of the Bible. And you don't have to speed read through them. You know, just take your time during the appropriate period in your day that allows your being able to sit down and just read the Word either just a portion of a chapter or an entire chapter, and to make that commitment on a daily basis. So read a text. And while you're doing that, look for Jesus in that text or in that chapter. Okay? Thirdly, then pray over it. So after you've read the text, after you've read the chapter, then just pray over it. Ask God to reveal the different ways that you can apply it 
within your uh, life. And that brings us to our fourth point, then personalize it. Ask yourself the question, how does that particular portion relate to uh, me? And then lastly, or fifthly, then look for creative, practical ways to put what you've learned through your reading into practice in your life's experience. So just some helpful hints to get you started. And as you and I fellowship in the Word each day, meditating over the pages, getting a clearer view of Jesus, guess what? We shall experience His cleansing and transforming power in our lives, and thus we'll become more like Him. Jesus Himself said in John's Gospel in chapter 15, in verse 3, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. As we behold the wonderful things that God has there for us in the Bible, and thus our hearts will overflow with love for Jesus. This will be your experience. Notice, go back to verse 8. This joy unspeakable that Peter recommends to us. Joy unspeakable, verse 8, full of glory. I don't know if you knew this or not, but that word rejoice can literally be translated leaping. That'll be your experience. A bounding, leaping joy based upon believing and trusting faith in Christ. You see, gang, faith produces this joy that cannot be expressed. It's inexpressible. That joy that comes from God as we fellowship with His Son. Remember what we are told in the book of Romans in chapter 10 and verse 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And that's just one of the ways, one of the practical ways, that our faith grows as we continue to just study the Word. We are in the Word. Now, one last thing. Let me ask you this question. What will be the end result of our increased faith through the Word? Well, let's go back to our text, verse 9. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of our souls. Now, the word salvation can, interestingly enough, be translated healing. And what a blessing. I mean, our souls are often broken by sorrow, the disappointments that are part often of our life's experience. So, those sorrows, those disappointments, but here's the promise given to us. We will find and God will provide healing for our soul. That is, we shall be at rest as we see Him now through the eyes of faith, refreshed and strengthened daily through the assurance of His Word. And our love for Him will be a never-ending source of praise that overflows from joyous hearts. So these are the exhortation that Peter serves up for some great instruction. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be. Oh, my That's all we have time for on today's edition of In My Father's House. Thanks for joining us. Did you know that you can listen to Pastor Mike's teachings on your favorite podcast app? Just search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. Be sure to subscribe and let us know you're a listener in the comments. 
We love seeing how God is using His Word in incredibly powerful ways. If you don't yet have a church to call home, we'd love for you to join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You can find all the information you need at harvestnyc.org. While you're there, you can reserve your seat by clicking on Contact and then the Register link. We're located in Midtown Manhattan, and there's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. If you're not in the area, or if you're unable to attend in person, we'd still like to have you be a part of our time studying God's Word. We're live streaming our services each week, and you can connect on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. If you'd like to hear today's message again or to catch previous Sunday messages, click on the Resources tab. You can also watch services through our Vimeo link or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Links to all of these are available at our website. One more time, that's harvestnyc.org. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to remind you just how much your Heavenly Father loves you. We also want you to know how grateful we are to have you as a part of our listening audience. Thanks again for joining us. We look forward to learning more from 1 Peter next time on In My Father's House. Where I long to be, oh my heart, not be troubled.